Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Great that you're joining us um, online too. Thank you for that. My name's Steve and uh, it's, uh, yeah, I I love the chance to um, speak here on Sundays. Uh, The little video that we've just now seen at the start of um, uh, this talk just reminds us that um, however we uh, go through life, there are always questions that come up, and we're always really keen to find an answer. And that's where Siri is so, so helpful, uh, because you can just say, hey, Siri, and you can ask your question, and it will come back with all kinds of information for us. But what we've discovered uh, is that uh, there are some things that Siri can't answer. Because Siri can give information, but it can't give wisdom. Uh, And so we are looking at a very short letter that you find in the latter part of our Bibles called um, the letter called James. Uh, And we're seeing the wisdom that he has to say about some of the questions in life. And so today, as you see, uh, why do I want to hang out with the rich people? As Helen said, that might not be a question that you will have ever asked before, but I want to explore the wider meaning of that. Back in 2012, uh, a group from this church, a group of leaders from this church, went down, I think it was towards London, where there was a conference, a day conference happening. And there were two American church leaders who lead these really big churches, uh, one in Chicago, one in Atlanta. And... uh, Uh, the two leaders uh, were speaking at this conference and and they were brilliant. And when it came to lunchtime on this day conference, they made an announcement that if you were a senior pastor or senior leader, you could have lunch with these two pastors. Guess what I am? And so I was so chuffed to hear this. And so anyway, so I made my way through the door, which they said uh, would lead, and I went into uh, uh, another room, uh, and there were all of these tables laid out, and I was just thinking, but Fenning won't be on one of theirs. And then, and then when I looked, Steve Fenning, unknown church leader, Andy Stanley, one of the church, I was on his table. And do you know what? I was so important. There was something inside of me that was saying, Fenning, you've made it. You're on the big pastor's table. And when I came out and people said, how was it? I go, oh, yeah, that was fine. That was fine. You know, I tried to play it really cool, but inside there was something that just made me feel important. Also, a few years ago, I went with my friend Steve Miles. We um, uh, went to the Golf Open. It was at Sandwich in Kent. And uh, we arrived really early and we started following players around. And uh, we're having a great time at the British Open Golf Championship. A couple of years before we had gone, there was a lady, an ex-golfer called Katrina Douglas, who had come and she had spoken here at this church. She'd done some coaching with regards to golf. And so we'd kind of got to know her on her two visits to this church. And as we were walking around, we noticed Katrina Douglas and she was commentating for Radio 5 Live. And so Steve and I called out, Katrina, Katrina, and she looked up and she spotted, and fortunately she recognised us. So we went under the rope and we went into the area where only players and commentators can go. And you have no idea how much I was looking around to make sure that people had spotted that I was standing with Katrina Douglas in the, play, in the area that only players... Uh, 
I feel a little embarrassed to tell you those stories because you need to know that is pathetic. I know it's pathetic. But honestly, it was what was going on inside of me. There was something attached to important people that made me want to be with them and helped to make me feel important. Why do I say that? Well, I don't know if you're aware, but every time you meet someone, you have a perception of what that person is like. And and various things will go through your mind, and it goes through my mind, as to whether you like the person or not, whether, there is, whether you have something in common with them, whether there's this natural bond, or whether you think, that's a person I don't want to spend any more time with, and you look to try and get away as soon as possible. Now, that happens for all of us. We all do that. It's it's a natural response. And what we forget is that everyone else is doing that about you and about me. So when you sat down next to the person that you did today, thoughts went through your mind. Just tell the person what went... No, not really. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. (laughs) But what happens is, is this, is that it is so easy to categorize certain people and to be drawn to some and want to kind of step away from others. And that might, that happens in school playgrounds, that happens at work, that happens when we socialize as well. And the sad thing is, is that it does go on within church life. We do this. It's partly because we're human, but we just do it in whatever context we find ourselves. And what lets us off is that 2,000 years ago, that's what was happening in the life of the very early church in Jerusalem. And there was this leader of the church in Jerusalem, his name is James, and he has something to say about it. And the verses that we're going to be looking at today are slightly uncomfortable. To start with, you're going to think, well, it's not really relevant to me. But as we look at some of the principles that, um, that James picks up on, we will see how relevant it is to you and to me. And so James, in this little section where he picks up on this, at the start of chapter two, he says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, or my dear brothers and sisters, it's as if he's saying, I've got something important to tell you, because this has come up. He's, he's used this phrase time and time again. He's saying, I've got something important to tell you, and we're in this together, so I get it, but you need to listen. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, then he goes on to say this, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? So he's kind of building up for something here, isn't he? He says, how, do you, how can you claim you have faith in Jesus? And then he finishes it off by saying this, if you favour some people over others, if you favour, do you know what? This, to start with, they kind of think, nah, favouritism isn't that bad. Do you know, when my kids talk about who's, uh, who's the favourite child of Sarah and I, it's really interesting. So, so they all think that Alice is my favourite because she works for a church. Yeah, okay, that's, not, that's my middle girl. Everyone thinks that, or they all think that Sarah, uh, Sarah's favourite is Rachel. And they all know that Sam is my parents' favourite. Because my mum cooks custard creams or bakes custard creams for Sam at a drop of a hat. It's true, isn't it? My mum, see, she's hanging her head in shame just over there at the moment because she knows that it's true. Anyway, favouritism. What is favouritism? Favouritism is choosing one person over another 
based on either personal preference, so I get drawn to that person, there's something about that person that I like, and so therefore I will go towards that person rather than someone else, or through prejudice, that there's something about that person that makes me feel uncomfortable, there's something about that person that I don't like very much, so I'm going to stay away from them, or because I think that I can gain something from them. That's why I said, and I didn't even know I was going to say it, there was Steve Fenning, just any other church leader, and Andy Stanley. Because I gain something. I feel more important. Do you get it? Yeah? And so there is often we can gain something from someone. So therefore, we, we head towards them. We gravitate towards some and not others. And what James is saying is this. He's saying, my brothers and sisters, in other words, fellow Christians, people who have been chosen by God, loved by God, forgiven by God, adopted by God. Why? So that we can be one family. And here you are categorizing people and separating people off as to who you want to spend time with and who you don't want to spend time with. He says, you're doing that, which goes against everything that God has done for you. And he says, what without meaning to, you set up categories of value on people that God doesn't recognize. On people that God, sorry, that God doesn't recognize those categories. And then James goes on to give an illustration. And this is why we often think, well, this doesn't really apply to us. Because his illustration, I don't think, does apply well to us goes on to say this, for example, suppose someone comes into the meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewellery. Well, no one comes to the forge dressed in fancy clothes nowadays, do they? I mean, look at you. Okay. And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. And when it just talks about dirty clothes, it's not only just physically dirty, there's a bit of a whiff about it. So, So in other words, when someone walks in, you kind of know. And then he defines favoritism. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or you can sit on the floor. You see, we're already thinking, well, we wouldn't do that at the forge. We wouldn't outwardly demonstrate prejudice like that to poor people. Of course we wouldn't. If a poor person came in, we wouldn't embarrass them. We wouldn't want to humiliate them like that. And neither would we give the best seat to Uh, a a rich person either because the best seat's the front seat and no one ever normally sits in the front seat, do they? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But here's what, as, as I was prepping this, here is what I can be tempted to do. Philip Freeman gives the message that a Bentley has pulled in to the car park and so the welcome team can be ready because obviously someone important is arriving and I can look at someone and can think, blimey, they're wealthy And we need a bit of money. So if I look after that person, if I treat that person just a little bit better, or if I see someone who I think has a real gift which could benefit the church, and so I therefore, you know, obviously this is holy. And I give special attention to them over someone else. That's the danger. In fact, all of us will do this at times. We have the capacity to do this in our hearts. When we see someone rich or if we see someone famous, we act differently. 
And we take a special interest in them just to share some of the glory. Honestly, some people will go to extreme lengths to try and gain value from being with someone. (laughs) I I don't know. I just feel that... that Do you know what? He begged and begged and begged to have that selfie. And finally, Ben said, yeah, okay, you can. (laughs) But um, what James is saying is this, at the same time you treat someone really, really well, and every time you ignore or you push away another person because of a prejudice, because of personal preference, or especially if you think you can't gain anything from them, you are doing what God never does. Because God doesn't judge us on preference. He doesn't judge us on on prejudice. And he... Well, to be honest, there's nothing which we could be able to benefit God uh, that we have. God doesn't ever categorize or judge people in that way. And what James is saying to this, these Christians who are acting in a very selective way, he's saying, shame on you. You have placed a value on people based on something that God just doesn't recognize. Here you are, loved, accepted, forgiven, chosen, and you're supposed to be imitating God, and yet you are doing the opposite. So just stop and think for a moment, because I think this can happen in all of our hearts. This is not just a me thing. That sometimes we will do this physically by choosing where we sit, who we talk to on a Sunday. I don't want to venture over there. Can't stand people with problems. I don't want to venture over there, they're always moaning. I don't want to venture over there, they're just stuck up. Yeah, it's so easy. So we can do it physically by who we pay attention to and who we don't. But in our hearts, I honestly think that we're guilty of this. Because we can make such a quick judgment call and either move towards or away someone because of those three reasons, preference, prejudice, or will I gain something from it? And James goes on to say this. He says, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments, (laughs) here they are, are guided by evil motives? He says, you've become judges. Who, Who here is judgmental? No, none of us are judgmental. We don't like to. And yet all of us make judgments on other people. We've drawn a conclusion We've looked at the evidence and just think, well, they're so fat. And uh, to be honest, that's their own fault. They ought to sort their lives out. Or they're so skinny, they've obviously got a problem, haven't they? Uh, And we just stay away. Evil motives, you size each other up and we think, how can I benefit from that person? If not, I won't go there. James is saying this, if you want a faith that works... This is a mindset that we have to shift and we have to change. We can't continue to think that way because it's an attitude and it's so subtle because it gets caught up in the culture of, of, of who we should spend time with and who we shouldn't, who's glamorous, who's the people that we should work towards. And then James goes on to tell us what God truly values. And this does make us at times feel uncomfortable because it's challenging. He says this, listen to me, my dear brothers and sisters, there it comes again. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? In other words, he's saying this, you've honoured the rich man and dishonoured the poor man, but let me tell you how God thinks. 
What does God think about this? God is more honoured by the faith of a poor man than he is by a rich man. That's what he's saying. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Why? Why is he saying that? I'll tell you why. It is because it's difficult to maintain faith in a good God when life is not good. Some of you know that this is true. Not because you're poor necessarily, but because you're sick or because life seems to have worked against you or because you've been abandoned or you've been betrayed or or you've been bereaved and life has become so hard and yet to hang on and, and still have faith and to still sing, God will never let me down. To still have that kind of faith. I tell you, that is a rich kind of faith. That's how God sees value and faith. So for those who are poor, he says, they will have a special inheritance. That very likely things, when we come to meet God, will be so different to what we think. Because it's easy to think that whoever here is on stage... They're going to be at the front and Jesus will escort them. And he says, nah, nah, Fenning, you've had it easy. Let me introduce you to someone whose faith is really rich, who's struggled, who's had such a tough time, but they have hung on and hung on and hung on. And then Jesus takes their hand and walks them up to the front. And there's me standing or sitting at the back, just applauding, ashamed at my level of faith and recognizing what rich faith truly is. It's so easy in church to value the wrong thing and we honour the wrong people. So what does God value most? Giftedness or faith? Which does God value most? Giving generously or faith? Which does God value most? Really strong Bible knowledge or faith? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what does God value? God values faith. Faith in him. See, it's not without faith or not without giving it's impossible to please God. It's not without giftedness that it's impossible to please God. It's not without Bible knowledge that it's impossible to please. It's without faith. So James says, you dishonor the poor. You've insulted the poor. You've insulted the very ones that God honors the most because of their faith in in him. And he said, isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? In other words, the rich in that culture were the only people who had influence. They had the power. It's not that much different than today. And Jesus says, church, you've got it wrong. And as in preparing for this, I think the confusion comes that if you only stay with rich and poor, it's really easy to think, well, that doesn't really apply to me because I'm happy to hang out with both rich and poor people. The problem comes is that all of us will have different groups of people or or, or different situations that we feel uncomfortable about or we will have a slight prejudice against. So maybe 
Let me just read out some. Maybe for some of you, you struggle with rich people because you just feel that they're beyond you, so you're not going to go anywhere near them. Maybe you struggle with poor people. Maybe it's with fat people because it's their own fault or skinny people because they've obviously got a problem. Maybe it's black people. Maybe it's immigrants. Maybe it's divorced because they obviously can't do relationships very well. Maybe it's single mums because they definitely haven't been able to do relationships very well. Or maybe it's bad taste in what people wear and think, I am never going to be seen with them, not dressed like that. Maybe it's stay-at-home mums because they can't do much else. Or stay-at-home dads because they definitely can't do much. They're not really man enough to work properly. Maybe it's working mums who obviously don't care for their kids. Maybe it's those who go to private school because they've got far too much money anyway. Maybe it's addicts and we just, we just want to stay away from them because they've got themselves in that situation. So if they come to us, maybe it's the homeless. It's their choice. It's the working class. Maybe it's the middle class because they're snobbish. Maybe it's people who have become successful from nothing and they must have done that in a dodgy way because no one is able to make that kind of money if they've, if they've stayed correct. Do you see, it won't be long before you come across someone who represents that characteristic and that you have an attitude about. Because this church is a wide-ish church. And God says, you were messed up, you were broken, you were sinful, and I reached out and I saved you. And now you come to be family together, remember, dear brothers and sisters, and you categorize people and you make judgments on people based on fashion and on skin color and on nationality, and you draw conclusions on people that you don't know well. And, he's Jesus, and God would say, what if I treated you in the same way? So Jesus, who has made us one, and then we try to categorize and separate people. James, fortunately, goes on to give the solution to this. I love this. I love what he has to say on this. And I'm really glad the solution isn't you've just got to like people that you don't like. That's not what he says. This is what he goes, out, goes on to say. He says, yes, indeed, it's good if you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. And then he picks up on one of the two of the royal law. The first one was love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one, which is here, is love your neighbor as yourself. So what James is saying is this, is that when you and I run into a person that we would tend to judge or that we would run away from because they make us feel uncomfortable, or when there are two people and you choose uh, one because you just identify more with them than with the other person, there's a simple thing that we need to do based on the teaching of Jesus. And that is to love that person as you would want your neighbor to love you. And that's what sorts out the problems of favoritism when it comes to the church. The health of a church honestly is determined by this, how much we love God and how much we love each other. And it's as simple and as difficult as that. So how do we do that? Well, in a sense, we have to put on, or we have to see people through the lens of Jesus. That's what we have to do to start with. 
and we need to think and act differently. A man called Tim Cooper, who I got to meet out in Atlanta, he put a very short little video together, which I think is brilliant, because it helps us to expand what he calls the moral circle. Take a look. Let's just say this is you. You're the big red person. All these people around you are just the people that you come in contact with. Some are people that you're friends with. Some are just, you know, the the checkout person at the grocery store. Everyone has a moral circle. And all that means is that the people that are most central to you there are going to get your most love and they're the people that you're going to be nicest towards. Okay. How many of you here have waited tables? So you guys know what misery that is. I have waited tables also. Imagine a friend, a family member, somebody you really care about is going to start waiting tables. They go through the whole training process. You get a group of people together. You go, you sit in their section. You're all excited first night. And they come over and they are just sweating bullets. (laughs) Right? What do you say to them? Oh, don't, don't worry about us. Don't worry about us. Don't even worry about We don't even need drinks. I don't even like water. It's fine. We're fine. I don't even like this. An hour later, they come over and take your order. You ordered steak in front of you as cod. It's great. You love cod. Cod's terrific. We're going to eat this. This is going to be great. And then what do you do at the, over, at the end of the night? You over-tip them, don't you? You over-tip them. Now, imagine that same scenario, and you have no idea who this server is. And they come, and you know what? You ordered Coke Zero, and this tastes like Diet Coke. So you stop making eye contact with these people. You start to do that mental math of the tip going down, down, down. I'm not going to even look at this person. You know, this is, this is ridiculous. We were paying for a good time. What is this? Two different types of behavior from us for two different people. One is your mom. One is your friend. One is your brother. The other one isn't. But the other one's somebody's mom. The other one's somebody's friend. The other one's somebody's brother. Why do we justify two different types of behavior for people that we come in contact with? We show kindness to our kind, meaning the people that are inside that circle are generally going to be people that you think are your kind. Ethnicity, background, financial status, age, orientation, family member, skill set, you name it, these are the people that I am going to give my most love to. Just imagine with me, how different would your world be if you just expanded your moral circle? What if all of a sudden the people in your church were known for treating other people in their society like family? What would that do to you? What would that do to your church? What would that do to your life and your heart? Brilliant, isn't it? Because what if we were to do that, rather than categorize people and think, I don't want to go there, that we extend our moral circle and we start to treat those that at times might make us feel uncomfortable, but we treat them like family. Why, why did Tim pull that together? Why is James picking up on this? Well, it's because the world thinks that, that us religious people just spend time with people who are like religious. But that's not what Jesus did. And that he spent his days with messy people, with people who were not like him. And so the rejected, the poor, the prostitute, What Jesus did was never to show favoritism, but he would often have this bias towards people who were very different to him. But where he saw the potential of, or he saw 
amazing faith. Remember that quote that we've mentioned several times, that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, and Jesus liked them back. Why? Because Jesus didn't go around thinking, well, I don't like them very much, or they're not my kind. So what Tim Cooper is saying there within that video is you and I need to extend and expand our moral circle, which changes then how we interact with each other. And if we want to be an inclusive church, if we want to be a church that unchurched people love to be part of, then you and I have to extend our arms and we have to be going out of our way to be with people, to not show favoritism, but to extend love to those that perhaps we've always kept a distance from. James goes on to say this, if you favour some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. So this is no small thing. He's saying this, you have to deal with it. You have to confess it. You have to choose to love in a way that you would love to be loved by others. It's following Jesus' example, which is why all of this still comes back to what it means to have a faith in Jesus, that Jesus is our cornerstone. He's the one who set the example. He's the one that we follow. He's the one that, that we imitate in life. And Jesus did this brilliantly. And you and I can do this brilliantly too if we look to him. James goes on to say this. He says, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. So he says, stop judging others because you're going to be judged. And then he finishes with this. There will be no mercy for those who, show, who, who, who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. The New Testament, or the, sorry, the New International Version says this, is that mercy will triumph over judgment. So next time you see someone who is not your kind, not the, or the person that you've always kept a distance from, James is saying, mercy over judgment. Don't judge them. Show mercy to them. Extend the moral circle. So let me just ask you as I finish, the band are going to come and lead our final song. Who do you dislike or who do you avoid or who do you disregard? Who is it that you will feel uncomfortable with and that you've made judgments about? I tell you, be aware of what we're like. Be aware of our hearts. And then take a step forward and to do what James said, which is to recognise that I've sinned. And to confess that to God and to say, God, would you change my heart and would you change my actions and my attitude? Would you be the cornerstone from which my life is built? And instead of heading the other way, even when we have drinks today, extend your moral circle. Speak to people outside of your friendship group. And let's be a church a church community, so that whenever someone who wouldn't normally go to church, an unchurched person, comes, they love being part of us because they're not judged, but they're welcomed and they're loved. And we love them just as we want to be loved by our neighbour. Let's stand. Let's stand. Jesus, thank you that um, uh, this is not abstract what we've been thinking about of favoritism and of avoiding some people and not others. Jesus, you, you demonstrated 
what it means to live a life where you have no favourites, but that you reach to people who are so often neglected or, or don't feel a part of things. You included them. Would you help us individually? Would you help us as a church to reach our arms out wide, to expand our moral circle and to treat more and more people like family? so that whoever comes who isn't used to church or isn't, um, uh, isn't used to uh, faith being lived out, that they might receive such grace and mercy and love and acceptance. And Lord, even within our church community, would you help us to do that? To extend our love to people who we wouldn't naturally meet with or wouldn't naturally be drawn to, but that, Lord, that we can show love to Help us to live out our faith, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.